going on, everybody? We are here at the NovaCare Complex getting ready for week three, Eagles, Giants. And, you know, when we recorded this podcast back in the preseason or even before week one, you had said week three was going to be a litmus test for this team. And in some ways it still is, but what it really is now is basically a playoff game for the Giants going into this week. Absolutely. And I went into this season thinking that this would be a game the Eagles would lose because I didn't think they'd match up particularly well against the Giants' defense, especially in the secondary. But, Elliot, after what we've seen from the Giants through the first two weeks, after what we've seen from the Eagles in the first two games, and especially the fact that the Giants are really banged up on the defensive side of the ball – I think this is going to be one of those knockdown, drag-out NFC East games, but I, I actually like the Eagles this week, and I think mm-hmm. that, that this could be one of those springboard type of games for this team when you can drive a stake into the heart of the Giants season. Yeah, and I think it's going to show a lot about the Eagles as a team. I mean, you know, second-year head coach with Doug, second-year quarterback, not a young team, but a team that hasn't been in a lot of playoff-type situations. For better or worse, the Giants, at least Eli has, have been. I mean, they were in, they were in the playoffs last year at Green Bay, so they've played in big games like this. It was really be interesting to see how the Eagles respond. So definitely a lot to get into today. And the first thing I want to talk about before we really get into the Eagles Giants is the news about Isaac Sayamalo. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, as always, this is the No Huddle Show. I'm Elliot. That's Matt. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we appreciate it. Give us a like. But please go and subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. And as always, we love your five-star reviews. So please leave those when you do subscribe. And we appreciate all the new people that have been doing that we read every review we read every comment so if you do take the time to do that i promise we'll read it and i really appreciate it so all right so now that we have that out of the way let's talk about the big news of the week before we get into the matchups which is isaac sayamalo doug talks on monday the offensive coordinator uh, frank greg talks on tuesday and it doesn't sound like a change is coming it seems like they're going to stick with sayamalo at, at left guard despite the fact that he really struggled against the uh, the uh, Chiefs. And then Wednesday, we go out to practice and we see Chance Warmack is taking reps with the first team during drills. And then in the locker room, the players basically confirm that that's the case. So a change has been made. And this is a change that I'm surprised at on a number of levels. So what's your initial reaction to the decision? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, Elliot, because all the Eagles had been saying is that they like Sayamalu. They're high on Sayamalu. Doug Peterson talked about it on Monday. Frank Reich reiterated it on Tuesday. And then I I noticed that it wasn't just in the blocking sled drills where it was Sayamalu with the first team, but they do these drills where it's basically the offense lined up against three defensive players who are simulating linebackers. Sayamalu was one of those linebackers, and it was Chance Warmack who was in there. And and I I don't want to, you know, kill the Eagles for making this move because I think something needed to be done because Sayamalu has not played well. He gave up four of the six sacks against Kansas City. He looks like he's, you know, on skates out there, both in run blocking and in pass protection. But I don't know that it's necessarily his fault that he's struggling. He's more of a natural center than anything else. And I'm a little bit surprised, and maybe this is the next shoe to fall if this doesn't work out. I'm a little surprised Jason Kelsey is still in there at center because I don't think he's played all that well. It'll be really interesting to see what Chance Warmack brings them because he's much better in run blocking, but he's a little bit of a liability in pass protection. So 
first year, first game of a new look offensive line against a division opponent. This is going to be one of those really interesting matchups when we dig into it later. That could go a long way towards defining how much success the Eagles have on offense on Sunday. The thing I'll always remember about Sayamalu is we're sitting in the Novacare Complex Auditorium at the draft, not 2017, 2016, when our old pal Mark Eckel was still working with us. And as soon as the Eagles make the pick, he gets a text from uh, a scout from around the league and basically he just says, this guy sucks, talking about Sayamalu. And I think that's what we've seen. I mean, look, you can say maybe he's a true center, but the Eagles didn't play him at center at all this season, and I'm almost positive they didn't play him at center much last year. I know he didn't take any snaps at center. I don't know if he practiced it with it, but I don't think he played it in the preseason. So they haven't really put him at center. Now, you could say that's because of Kelsey. I disagree with, with you and with the narrative that Kelsey's needs to be benched. I think, look, is he playing at a Pro Bowl level? Probably not, but I think they have much bigger issues along the offensive line, and I think that everyone that's saying Kelsey should be benched, we saw what a player playing like the needs to be benched looks like with Sayamalo. I mean, he was absolutely destroyed against the Chiefs, gave up four sacks, as you mentioned, but the question now is, before we get into Chance Warmack, the decision to, to, uh, to bench him is surprising on a number of levels. One, because this Eagles team is not a very young team, especially along the offensive line. There really aren't that many young players on the roster outside of just the rookies that were just drafted that you could say, all right, they need this guy to pan out. And I always thought Sayomalu was one of them, a third-round pick the year they took Wentz. They need a young offensive lineman to step up. And they, they really wanted Sayomalu to win this job. I mean, so much so that they – there they, wasn't even a matter right. of winning or losing. They, they traded Alan Barber instead of opening it Well, they made the decision to cut him first. Let's not forget. They were willing just right, to simply right, cut but, him. Right. But my point is that even after Alan Barber was removed from the roster, this wasn't a competition between Warmack and Samalu or, or Warmack and Dylan Gordon or right. Warmack or another guard that was on this roster during training camp. It was Isaac Samalu's job. So th- they were high on him, and I was trying to tell people over the offseason, they've been high on him since last year when he played reasonably well. But it, it just it seems as though watching him at Oregon State and then watching him this year He's a much better fit at center. But the problem comes in, Elliot, when you're benching a kid after two weeks, and I don't think that they should stick with him. Something needed to be done because the interior of that offensive line has not played well at all. I think the only reason they're sticking with Jason Kelsey is that they love his intelligence on the field and the rapport that he has with Wentz. And that's a big factor, though. No no doubt about it. But he hasn't been getting to the second level in terms of run blocking, and he really has been being pushed back into the pocket, which can't happen at center. But I I'm a little surprised that that was the only move, was benching Isaac Sayamalu. And listen, everybody thinks Chance Warmack is going to be this godsend to the offensive line. Maybe he's an upgrade in the running game. Maybe he helps you there. But the Giants have a really aggressive and dynamic front seven that I would not be shocked if he struggles in pass protection almost equally to what Sam Hoggle gave you. Yeah, I mean, look, Chance Warmack isn't any good either. So it's not like the Eagles had a Pro Bowl or quality backup there. There was a reason they were starting Sayamalu. Now, I agree with you, and I think as we both said, that it wasn't really much of a competition. So to say that Sayamalu won the job isn't true, but clearly they felt Sayamalu was their best option. Now, again, I've written about it, I've tweeted about it, and people are always like, why are you bringing it up? Why are you bringing it up? 
Getting rid of Alan Barber was a huge mistake. He played at a quality level for this team last year. He played in 12 games, I believe. When he was out on the field, he was one of their better offensive linemen. And I think there was something to be said for bringing back the same five starters as last year. I understand why you want to get Sam Sam Allo out on the field, but why not have a competition? Why not bring Barber, bring him to training camp, and just see? If Sam Allo beats him out, fine. If he doesn't, then you have this exact moment right now. How much could they use Alan Barber on this roster? I mean, going to Chance Warmack, he was also very bad. So, I mean, they're going to have an issue at the left guard spot, no matter who they put out there because they moved on from Alan Barber. And I'm not saying Alan Barber's a Pro Bowl talent, but I'm saying he's a quality, proven starter in this league that they could that they basically just got rid of, despite the fact that they knew Sayamalu was a question mark. Even if Sayamalu did play well last year, which I don't think he did overall, but even let's let's just concede the fact that they think he did play well. He still has never been a full-time starter. It was a major question mark coming into the season whether he'd be able to handle it, and they're pulling the trigger on him this early. So I'm not trying to be super dramatic, but I really think this is this is like it for Sayamalu because if what I don't get what he what do you do from with him from here on out? I mean, if Warmack struggles, do you put Sayamalu back in? Well, you can't go back to him. That's right. I think that once you make this move, Warmack is your left guard. And I think the only thing that you can do is you watch Jason Kelsey over the next couple of weeks. And, and maybe at that point, if the run game is still struggling and if Wentz is still getting pressure up the middle and if Kelsey is still on skates, maybe you slide Sam Olive into center. But, but the thing is, he hasn't played know. center. He didn't practice it in training not, not camp. On, not on this team, but he was a center in college. Right. So, but, but I think that even putting Sam Olive in at center – then it's like, why did you throw that money at Stefan Wisniewski? Why did you bring Wisniewski back? Because I think that he might actually be a more complete player and, and a better option at guard or center than Warmack is at guard and that Sayamalu is currently Well, at that's center. interesting, too. I mean, Wisniewski's a guy that, you know, we, we both remember from his introductory press conference, he didn't really hide the fact that he wasn't happy he was being signed to be a backup. He wasn't really happy with the money he was getting. And then he re-signed this <laughs> Yeah, and he's been passed over time and time again for, for starting jobs on this team. So clearly there's something about Wisniewski that they don't like. I disagree with you about Kelsey, though. I don't think he's close to getting pulled. Um, look, he's not a perfect player, but if you look at what he does for this team seven days out of the week in terms of helping Wentz prepare, I mean, Doug and Reich both talk about it a lot, talking about how much Kelsey has the ability to audible at the line of scrimmage. So I would be really surprised. Look, yes, Sayamalu did play center at college, but that was two, you know, almost two years ago right. at this point, and he hasn't really played it at the NFL. Well, he hasn't played it at all at the NFL level in a regular season game, and he hasn't really practiced. So to put Sayamalu in there now, I think, would be a massive mistake, and I, I don't think they'll do it. I think... What you're looking at is maybe next offseason, if they do move on from Kelsey. We all thought they would last offseason, so I think I would be surprised if Kelsey was back for 2018, but I guess you know we also thought Kendricks and Kelsey would be gone this year, so you never really know. But if they do move on from Kelsey this offseason, I think you might see them try Samalo at center, but they can't go into next offseason depending and just handing another job to Samalo. They Whatever they end up role they end up giving him, whether it's trying to let him win the left guard job back or whether it is inserting him at center, they need to have more of a backup plan because we're seeing already two weeks into the season how Howie's failure to have a backup plan is really hurting this team. And we'll get into the Giants in a little bit, but you know, all the talk about how the Giants' offensive line struggled. The Eagles' offensive line has not been good overall. I mean, Sayamalu now is kind of getting the finger pointed at him, and, you know, everyone thinks it's going to be better now. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't think everyone thinks it's going to be better. But now all of a sudden, I mean, the Giants have a very good defensive line as well, so Chance Warmack is being thrown into the fire a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see overall how this Eagles' offensive line does on Sunday against a strong Giants' defensive front. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that – 
the Eagles offensive line hadn't been playing well, period. Now you throw in a change at left guard. And, mm-hmm. and I, again, I don't think that the Eagles offensive line is much better or worse than the Giants. And I don't think that the Giants defensive line is anything other than on par with the Eagles defensive line. So this is a really tough test for an offensive line that hasn't been able to get any push in the run game. You've had no threat of running the ball. You've been, you know, off-balanced and one-dimensional on offense, and I don't see that changing this week. I know we'll get into it, Elliot, but I don't think that they're going to be able to run the ball on the Giants, and I don't think they need need Mm -mm. to run the ball to beat the Giants. But to ask this offensive line to hold serve with a very aggressive, very desperate, very talented front three, front seven from the Giants, it's going to be a tall order because yeah. that's, a, that's a veteran coaching staff with Steve Spagnuolo. And, and if Spags knows anything, it's going to, you know, he's going to figure out how to exploit Warmack's first game in there. Yeah, so all right, let's get into it. Let's talk about the matchups now. So obviously, as we know, the Eagles 1-1 one one heading to this week, Giants 0-2. If the Giants lose this game, their chances at the playoffs are basically over. I think teams that start 0-3 have like a less than 10% chance of making the playoffs, and only four ever have done it. So a lot, the team a lot of people expected to maybe win the division. Did you end up picking them to win the division? Giants? Yeah, or you picked the Cowboys. I picked the Cowboys. Or you picked the Cowboys, I picked the Eagles. So, But a lot of people did, it, did pick the Giants to win the division, so they could essentially be out of it before week four even hit. So big opportunity for the Eagles. All right, let's talk about – well, we were just talking about the Lions. Let's get into that a little. The Eagles offense – let's start with the Giants offensive line versus the Eagles defensive line. Obviously, this is a huge matchup for them. I really think they could do very well. I mean, I'm assuming you agree and seeing this is a major mismatch for the Eagles. Oh, definitely. And watching the tape of the Kansas City game, I was kind of surprised how often Jim Schwartz lined up with a front with Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett on the same side, each yeah. other. And I think you're going to see that a lot. I think that Jim is going to stack up the side of the line against Eric Flowers, really exploit that as a weakness. Flowers gave up three sacks to Ziggy Anza on Monday night against the Lions. I, I think Brandon Graham could have two or three sacks. I think Barnett has a big game this week. And, and I don't really know how the Eagles aren't going to dominate that Giants offensive line because they've had issues across the board through the first two games. So I wouldn't yeah. be shocked to see the Eagles pick up eight to ten sacks as a team on Eli Manning on Sunday. What's crazy is I was looking back at the last time the Eagles played the Giants, and I remember thinking the Eagles' defensive line dominated them, but they didn't sack Eli Manning the last time they played him here at the link, which I was surprised about. Um, from talking to Dan Duggan and James Cratch, who covered the Giants for us at NJ.com, and just really anybody, is you can see that one of the issues Eric Flowers has is bending his knees and getting low, and that is really where Derek Barnett could get at, could really do well against Flowers if he's matched up, because Barnett's strength, if anything, is getting low, getting around the corner, bending you know, at, at the point of the rush, and doing well in that, in that regard. So I think that could be a good matchup for Barnett. But my other thing that I'll say is, as much as I think the Eagles' defensive line has an opportunity to dominate, I do want to... They, they have to go out and do it. And I know that sounds simple to say, but so many times last year we thought this Eagles defensive line was going to have a big game. And sometimes they did. Against the Vikings, they played really well last year. Against the Falcons. And some big games they did have, they did step up, but they were also inconsistent. And they've been very good through the first two weeks. They've been dominant. And well, that Redskins game, they were pretty dominant. Yeah, no, and, and they were and dominant and against I'd, the Chiefs, too. I'd make the case that it was the defensive line in the front seven that won that game. Yeah. Because it was the, the sack fumble from Graham recovered by Cox for the touchdown that iced it. But before that, it was the blitz up the middle from Jenkins and Hicks that forced the Cousins interception 
interception. So between the defensive line and the front seven, I think that they won that game for the Eagles on the road in the season opener, even more so than the offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would argue Wentz did, but regardless, I agree with your point overall that the defensive line played well this season. That wasn't what I was trying to say. What I was saying was, let's see them go out and do it this week. Let's see them win a match if they're supposed to win. The Eagles' defensive line can single-handedly win this game for the Eagles. And if they do that, the Giants will be 0-3, the Eagles will be 2-1, 2-0 in the division, and they'll be in a great shot. It'll be a, they'll be in a great place. So let's really see the Eagles' defensive line come out and dominate. So, all right, I think we both agree that's an obvious advantage yep. for the Eagles, and we've talked about that all week. So let's talk about some some of the other matchups. Now let's talk about the Eagles offensive line versus the Giants defensive line. We've touched on that a little bit already, so we'll just quickly look over it. But look, the Giants have a very good defensive front as well. Big week again for Lane Johnson and Jason Peters, who I think both have been playing better than they're being given credit for. But obviously, if they give Wentz time in the pocket, I think the Eagles win this game no problem. Yeah, I think Olivia Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul both have one sack. Damon Harrison in the middle. Snacks Harrison, as they call him yeah. up there in New York. He could have a really big game against Warmack and Kelsey in the middle. I, I don't like the Eagles matchup here, and I think that you know the, the biggest challenge for the Eagles is going to be, A, keeping Carson Wentz upright, and B, facing the pressure that he's faced for the first two games, it's going to get ratcheted up this week, I think. Wentz needs to protect the football. Mm -hmm. can't afford to turn it over against this team because if you leave a desperate division opponent in the game, they're going to find a way to beat you. So I, I don't love this matchup, Eagles offensive line, against the Giants defensive line. The one way the Giants win this game is dominating up front and, and getting to Wentz. And that's the thing. I mean, I think we can both agree the Eagles – the Giants' offense is going to have trouble moving the ball against the Eagles' defense. So if they, the Eagles' offense has put the their defense in some tough spots so far this season, if they do that against the Giants, I mean, look, I think this is a Giants team that will roll over on Sunday if they fall behind. So the one way to make sure that doesn't happen is by turning the ball over. I agree. The tip pass thing with Wentz is weird because of how tall he is. I think he's actually been doing a good job taking care of the ball in terms of not put. you know, I don't think he's made a ton of throws where you say, wow, he really put the ball in danger there. It's just the tip passes that have killed him. And, and I'm not making excuses that for that, but yeah, sorry, guys. He seems so much more confident throwing those sideline routes to Alshon Jeffrey or to Zach Ertz than he does throwing it to Nelson Aguilar or especially Darren Sproles. And we saw the drop pick six by Ryan Kerrigan in week uh -huh. one. And we saw the tip pass that led to the interception that led to the Chiefs taking the lead last week. I I'm not sure if it's the, the arm angle of trying to throw the ball downward to a smaller target, whether it's just something with his ability to make those throws to the sideline from the pocket, but that's an area where he needs to get better, and I think it's an area where the Giants might be able to exploit them this week. Yeah, and if they get, look, I mean, the real advantage the Eagles have in this game is the fact that Wentz can move an Eli Manning camp, because I think that the Eagles have a better offensive line and a better defensive line than the Giants do, but I think when you compare those units side by side, it's not considerably different. I mean, I think the Giants also have a very good defensive line and the Eagles offensive line is also struggling as yep. is the Giants so but I think the Eagles do have an advantage but the the big the big advantage there is is Wentz can move around with his legs as we've seen him do I mean he he's been sacked eight times this year it could have been a lot more whereas I think Eli obviously is not as mobile and is not going to avoid that pressure but which I think makes the Eagles sacks a little bit worse because yeah, if, yeah. if Carson Wentz, because he's bailed them out, he had the four scrambles for 55 yards he had two scrambles against the Redskins if he has Eli Manning's mobility he might have been sacked 10 to 12 times. Right. 
No, I agree. So, I mean, Wentz is going to have to step up and avoid some pressure, as he always does, He's, or at least as he has these past two weeks. Let's talk about the Eagles receivers versus the Giants' defensive backs. Um, Janoris Jenkins, the, the Giants' top number one cornerback, didn't practice, I don't believe at all on Wednesday. I don't believe he's practiced at all this week. Didn't play last week for the Giants. So that's a concern for them. And if he doesn't play, that's a big advantage for the yeah. Eagles. Um, I thought last week we saw them really start to get Alshon involved in the offense early on, especially on the first drive of the first half and the first drive of the third quarter, which shows that Doug is consciously trying to get Alshon the ball. And I think that's good because you saw what happened. I mean, he had his first touchdown. I think he ended up with 90 yards or something close to it. Um Alshon should win these matchups again. I mean, the Giants do have a good secondary, but without Janoris Jenkins, that, that uh, back four looks a lot different. Yeah, I think Landon Collins and Eli Apple are, are my still My boy, Landon. Good. Yeah, it's your boy. That's you, my boy. You loved him from Alabama. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a push because I think that the Eagles receivers are starting to heat up. Alshon Jeffrey with the 96 yards and a touchdown last week. They keep trying to force it to Torrey Smith. He has two or three drop passes last week in particular against the Chiefs, and Nelson Aguilar has really done a, a spectacular job of emerging as that slot receiver option. Then you have Ertz at tight end and in the slot. But this is going to be their toughest test, whether mm-hmm. Norris Jenkins is in there or not. I, I don't know many secondaries that are as talented and deep as the Giants' secondary is. This yeah. is a big test for the Eagles. And it'll be it, it's a push to maybe a slight edge to the birds. Yeah, and I mean, we're just talking about the uh, pass catchers, if you include Ertz in there. I think Ertz versus Landon Collins, they'll, they'll probably be predominantly who, who covers him. will be very interesting to see because Ertz is Wentz's sa- safety net. I mean, that is a guy he loves to throw the ball to, especially on third downs. And if Landon Collins takes him away, it'll be interesting to see where Wentz decides to go with the ball. Landon Collins, a guy that I was ripped a lot on Twitter about, but I think has proven to be a pretty good player. So I think that's a tough matchup for Ertz. But look, I've said time and time again, Ertz is a top five tight end. And I criticize Alshon for or not criticize him, but I say with Alshon, all right, you're a top wide receiver. Let's see you go do it. This is one of those weeks where Ertz has to step up yep. and Ertz has to win that matchup against Landon and, Collins. And Alshon did it last week against Marcus Peters. Well, he, yeah, he didn't get covered by Marcus Peters a ton, sure. but go ahead. But, but I thought he had a, a, a number one wide receiver. He did. He had a very good game. And, yeah. and I think with, with Ertz against Collins, Collins does a lot of things. He's not great in coverage, so if Ertz can win that matchup and, and catch the football, he has a chance to pick up some yards, but I don't think he's going to get many yards after the catch. Right, so I would agree. Uh, I think the Eagles pass catchers versus the Giants secondary, if Janoris Jenkins doesn't play, I would give the advantage to the Eagles in that one. So other than alright, now let's look at the uh, Eagles secondary versus the Giants receivers. Again, injuries is playing a factor here. Odell Beckham looks like he will play. I think that's safe to say at this point. But he played last week against the Lions. I think he played 30-something snaps, two catches for 10 yards. Wasn't really a factor. I think, obviously, you see that when Eli's running for his life, it's tough to, tough to get the passing game going. But outside of Eli, I mean, sorry, outside of Odell, Sterling Shepard, Brandon Marshall, Shepard, big year last year, hasn't done much so far this season, and Brandon Marshall with the huge drop last year. The Giants receivers were supposed to be the best in the division. Obviously, the offensive line is playing a role in this, but they really haven't done anything for the first two weeks. What do you think of that matchup? Let's also lump Evan Ingram in here because they're using the tight end in a similar fashion that the Eagles use a tight end, funneling the passing game over the middle of the field, particularly when Eli's facing that pressure on the outside. I give the the Giants the edge here because the Eagles are so banged up. You have Rodney McLeod not going to play. Jalen Watkins probably not going to play. Corey Graham hasn't practiced all week, so you might be faced with a situation of having to 
to play Chris Maragos at safety, which yeah. the Eagles staff doesn't want to do, or Camus Grugier-Hill, the special teams linebacker extraordinaire, might be back there playing safety. I don't love this matchup for the Eagles secondary, and Odell Beckham four catches 35 yards last week. Is that what he had? Yeah, okay, yeah. if he's fully healthy, if he's – and I don't even know that he's fully healthy at this stage and if he's much more than a decoy. But if he's effective and if they can get the aerial attack going through Ingram – if the Eagles' pass rush doesn't get home, Eli might have some pretty big numbers because I don't love the secondary in this matchup. So, all right. So if you told me Odell was healthy, I would agree with you. But I just don't think Odell is that healthy. I think you saw it against the Lions. Yep. And if you don't have a healthy Odell, look. let's look at some of the other matchups. So Brandon Marshall, if there was a receiver that Rasul Douglas, who probably might start because of the injury to Jalen Watkins and Ronald Darby, if there's a receiver – that you could pick to have Rasul Douglas play against in his opener, it would be a guy like Brandon Marshall, yep. a guy that you know is physical, not super fast, also is struggling. I'm not saying Rasul Douglas has the advantage there, but I think that that's a matchup where if you're going to have to start Rasul Douglas, that's a, one of the better players to have him go against. But the two places where I really think give the Eagles the advantage here is, one, I like the, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I like the matchup of Patrick Robinson versus Sterling Shepard, the giant slot receiver. I think... Robinson has played very well as a nickel cornerback. And if Odell's if Odell's not himself, they're going to need Sterling Shepard. And I like Patrick Robinson's chances there. And Evan Ingram, look, I know we disagreed about how we thought that the uh, Malcolm Jenkins did against tight ends last week. Travis Kel- here here's what I here's what I know. Jenkins has played two very good tight has been covering two very good tight ends. Jordan Reed in week one, Travis Kelsey in week two. He did give up the one forty four yard long touchdown. I mean long reception. But the touchdown was a run that he gave up to Jason Kelsey. And I think Kelsey it was, was a targeted. Pass. Yeah, right. So it wasn't Jenkins' fault, right. I guess, is my Agreed. point. So I guess what I'm saying is if if I'm saying, all right, Odell is a non-factor, at least is injured, and they're going to depend on Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard to get the ball moving. I like the guys that the Eagles have matched up there. So the loss of the safety does help. I mean, sorry, it does hurt the Eagles. But I think because Odell is is hurt, it doesn't hurt them as much because they're not going to be going as deep. The Giants don't really have a lot of deep receivers if Odell is hurt. So, sure, but that, that deep pass to Travis Kelsey still happened. No, it did, we, yeah. We but also Travis over. Kelsey is considerably better than Evan. I, I, I agree. But right. if, if this is a volume situation where they're going to target Evan Ingram seven, eight, nine times and he catches six passes for 86 yards and two touchdowns, we can sit, well, yeah, sit but, here and say that, you know, Malcolm Jenkins covered him pretty well. He just had a boatload of catches, right? So, well, but that that's not what happened against Kelsey last week, though. I, Kelsey I, I had agree. the one touchdown, and it was a shuffle pass. Well, I, I agree. Right. But I just think that if Odell Beckham isn't healthy, there's a, there's a fairly good chance the Giants are going to continue to funnel the offense through Ingram, who has been steadily getting more targets over the first two weeks than he had his first touchdown yeah, last week. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, I like the – I like the matchup of Malcolm Jenkins versus Evan Ingram a lot more than you do. But we'll see. I mean, look, if they throw the ball at Evan Ingram 10 times, I'm not saying he won't, you know, catch six or, you know, five or six of them. But I do think that if their offense comes down to Evan Ingram carrying him down the field against Eagles, things are not going to go well for the Giants. So I like the Eagles in that regard. It sounds like you're leaning Giants in terms of the Eagles, I mean, the Giants pass, ca- pass catchers versus yeah. it. If, yeah. if only because of injuries, because I'll boil it down real simple for you, Elliot. What did we say was the biggest concern about this team going into the season? A lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now you take Ronald Darby, their best corner, and he's out. You take Jalen Watkins, who did a pretty nice job filling in. He's out. You're starting Rasul Douglas. You might be starting mm-hmm. Corey Graham or Chris Maragos. 
against a, a pretty talented wide receiving core, I like the Giants in this matchup. All right, I'm going to go with the Eagles, but we'll see. So I guess we've talked about quarterback a little bit, but Eli versus Wentz, so that'll be the last one we do. And actually, I want to talk about the head coach too because I actually think the Eagles have the advantage in this one with Doug over McAdoo. I think – I thought Doug played a pretty – I mean, Doug called a good game last week against the Chiefs, whereas the Giants' offense looks like it's a complete mess. Now, granted, part of that's the offensive line, but I think you would agree you could argue the Eagles' offensive line is is almost as bad. So I think the Eagles actually have the advantage here with Doug um, over McAdoo. Do you agree with that? Or? I think that it's, it's about even. Okay. And the reason I say it's about even is because – the Giants have a chance to roll over on McAdoo. They have a chance to just quit on their season. Whereas right I now. don't think the Eagles would have. No, no, right. no. But I don't. But I, 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 don't think that Doug dropping back Carson Wentz 56 times last week, only designing 13 runs, is something that's sustainable. And they haven't shown an ability to figure out how to get the running game to work. Mm-hmm. Now, if he goes out and runs a more balanced attack and plays ball control, keeps that out of Eli's hands, then I think that that's a win for this team. But I don't think that Doug is heads and shoulders above McAdoo. I think it's closer right. to a push than it is giving him an I, I agree. I don't think it's head and shoulders. I just think I would lean Doug in that case. So last one we'll talk about is quarterback before we give a final prediction. Um, I think I, – I mean, I like – Wentz over Eli here. I do too. Yeah, I mean, I think Eli's not playing well. Wentz is playing as the best quarterback in the division right now. Again, th- look, the turnover, the interception against the Chiefs played a large role in costing the game, but I still think he's being overall fairly smart with the ball considering how much he's throwing it. I like the I like uh, the matchup here for the Eagles. I like Wentz over Eli. I like Wentz over Eli. I didn't like the decision-making on that throw that eventually got picked off. I think that there are still areas where Wentz can improve, but – Elliot, that deep ball is getting closer and closer every week. Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz are getting closer and closer to being on the same page every week. This might be the week where both of those things come to fruition and hit in a big way for the Eagles. I like Wentz here. And uh, I wrote this morning, if anybody wants to go into a deeper dive of every matchup, every position, go to nj.com slash Eagles. you got every position broken down who has the edge. Mm-hmm. So if you want the companion piece to there this you go. podcast, there you good go. place to find it. And, I mean, the thing, too, is I think Eli's poor play is being masked a little bit by the everyone blaming the offensive line. But, all right, we'll see this Sunday. Uh, we got to wrap this up. Doug's about to talk here at the NovaCare, but let's give our final predictions. I think you could tell by listening so far, I think the Eagles have a huge advantage here. Yes, the Giants are desperate, but the Eagles need this win too. A loss here drops the Eagles to 1-2, and two, and then they would be behind the Giants in the division because of head-to-head. So I think the Eagles come out, home opener. I think they blow them out. I'm going Eagles 30, Giants 14. I like the Eagles to win this game. I think it's a lot closer than you do. I don't think the Giants are... I don't think the Eagles are head and shoulders above the Giants from a talent standpoint or a matchup standpoint. NFC East games are always knockdown, drag out, physical. I like the Eagles 24 to 23. All right, so we're both picking the Eagles, me in a blowout, you a little closer. So we'll see. I mean, look, I'm super pumped for this game to watch. It's going to be a good one. So as always, we'll have a, an initial reaction podcast for you after the game on Sunday, and then we'll come back on Tuesday with your reaction. So as you're watching the game, if you have a hot take or an opinion on what's happening, send it to us at hashtag the no huddle show or email us at the no huddle show at njadvancemedia.com we'll read it on tuesday we'll talk about what you guys saw and what you want to hear so both picking eagles wins matt i'll talk to you after the game on sunday and we'll see if we're right forward to it